everyone, and welcome to another episode of Advisors Chatting About Technology, the podcast where we talk to financial professionals out in the field to learn the technologies and tools that they use in their day-to-day business. We have a really exciting episode here today. We have Dave Zoller of Streamline Financial here today. Um, He is going to be talking to us all about social media. Back at the LaSalle Street Growth Summit here in, in May of this year, Dave gave a talk all about finding growth within social media for your business. Uh, Dave also runs Streamline My Practice, which is a website that's geared towards helping advisors grow their business. Dave has a lot to say about social media, including some of the tools and techniques that he used when getting started and how his social media usage has evolved and changed over the course of the years. Uh, Dave talks a bit about doing YouTube videos as well as creating text posts for websites like LinkedIn and Facebook. And Dave also touches on how you can best cross promote the content between all of these various platforms. With that being said, let's dive right into our interview with Dave. All right. So Dave, um, if you could do me a favor and just kind of introduce yourself and um, tell uh, the listeners how you got started in the industry. Yeah. So I am Dave Zoller and uh, I run a firm with Tim, my business partner called Streamline Financial. And we've been with that firm since 2008 and nine. And um, in 2009, that's actually when I started uh, in the industry and I was actually doing taxes. I was preparing, actually, I wasn't preparing taxes at that time. I was doing kind of the the um, the things that need to get done at a tax firm that might not be the most glamorous, like e-filing tax uh, forms, or maybe just uh, inputting some tax data, things like that. Um, and there uh, the reason why I got into the financial side or the investment side was because there was an, a financial advisor that was working with a few of the clients at that firm. And there were uh, a few instances where I got to meet him and see some of the things he was doing and how he was helping them. And it was interesting to me. So after tax season, one year, I started helping him kind of part-time. And then it just grew and grew. And I liked it more and more until I was doing all financial advising work and working with him. So you kind of came up organically through it and, and kind of started slowly uh, building up your book of business over time, it sounds like, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and it helped, you know, knowing uh, kind of doing part time at the tax firm and the advisor firm, and then doing people's taxes. And, um, you know, just being in the tax office was a big advantage, right? Um, helping people on both sides. And that's how where most of the clients came from at that time. So it was mainly referrals and um, the CPA referrals as well. Okay. Yeah. I, and I know from, you know, my experience, I kind of came up just through the brokerage side and um, the tax side has always kind of been, you know, one of the, the bigger mysteries. So it's always uh, good to have kind of both perspectives there. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So when you kind of got started in the industry, how did, what did technology look like? What kind of tools were you using at the time? Um, or, or were you even using really technology at that point in time? Yeah, well, I think our CRM at the time, where we just kept uh, customer info and contact info was called ACT. And I, I don't know if anybody remembers that, but it was, it definitely wasn't the most user-friendly interface. Um, that was one I remember. Uh, we were also using a few uh, 
a performance reporter that was now that you look back, you know, 12 or 14 years ago, um, it seemed fine at the time, but compared to what we have available now and the ease of access and just use, um, it was uh, very, very outdated, obviously. Um, but yeah, it's, it was a few things. I think I'm trying to think of other, other technology that we were using back then. Um, a lot of spreadsheets I'd say was the planning tool until probably around 2014 or 15, when we started using eMoney as our main financial planning software for clients. But before that, I'd say it was a lot of, a lot of spreadsheets for people. Yeah. I, I feel like, uh, the, the whole Excel, uh, it's, it's kind of hard to escape it even nowadays. Um, you know, I, I feel like I'm constantly working in and out of spreadsheets all day long. So I understand yeah. that. Um, so I know you mentioned that you're using eMoney now, but, um, what are some of the other, uh, kind of pieces of technology that you're using in the office? Yeah. Um, another one is Orion for performance reporting. And, um, so let's see, eMoney, Orion, we did use Riskalyze a lot in the past. We still, um, uh, have them as a service, but we've been using it less and less, but that was really useful. I think the last four years and we had, um, you know, there was, especially during, uh, sometimes during scary market times, using that tool and helping explain risk and the types of investments and where they fall on the risk scale was very helpful. Um, and then other big ones for CRM. Now we're using, a um, it's not a, a financial planning specific CRM. It's, um, it's also kind of a, outdated one, which were, that'll be the next thing that we're evaluating on changing. Um, those are a few of the big ones that I could think of the technology that we're using now. What other, what else is out there? What do, what do other people use, Danny, that I'm not talking about? I, I know that there's, uh, like you had mentioned Orion already, um, eMoney is a big one. Um, Redtails, uh, what we have a lot of people using for their CRMs. Uh-huh. Morningstar is another one that uh, has been really popular lately. Um, I've, I've seen a lot of people kind of turning to Morningstar uh, to use their data aggregation tools to kind of mm-hmm. get their data everywhere. Um, so that, that's been a big one that I've seen a lot of people starting to to pick up on. Yeah, yeah, we're using Y charts uh, predominantly now, as opposed okay. to to Morningstar. Yeah, that was a newer newer one that we added a couple years ago. So how do you feel like you've kind of evolved? Is this, is technology something you're constantly, um, you know, kind of going and reevaluating over time to, to ensure that you have the best fit for your clients? Yeah, I would, I would say so. Um, those were the main drivers was how would, so for, for, let's say for a specific client, we already knew the answer and we knew the success of the plan and we knew what needed to get done in order for them to have a successful retirement say, but we wanted the best tools that were able to communicate it in a way where they could understand it. So that was when looking at financial planning software, that's why we liked eMoney. I know there's a bunch that, that can do that, you know, right capital or money guide pro or whatever it is. Uh, they're, they're getting better and better and easier to understand from the, the client perspective. But that's that's kind of, and that's why we used Riskalyze too over the past five years. What could, how could we make the the complex nature of our business easier to understand for our clients? So we are, 
we do continually monitor and evaluate the, the one internally, not client facing, is that CRM that we, we need to make better right now and make it uh, get the right workflows and things like that to make the office more efficient, not so much from the client perspective. Sure. The, the one other thing that we liked about eMoney as well was that that dashboard, just having all aspects of their financial life in one place that's easy to, to log on to and, and view and... Um, yeah, that's been big for clients. Yeah, I, I know that's um, every rep or, or advisor that I talk to that that's always the biggest sell, I think, is um, just having that client portal uh, available through eMoney. And there really isn't anything like it. I, I know Wellscape um, you know, doesn't even come close to having all of the features and the integrations uh, that, that eMoney's portal has. So a couple weeks ago, uh, you were at LaSalle Street's Growth Summit and you talked about social media. Um, I know I see you all the time on LinkedIn. And um, I, I just got to say, it's it's really great to see that kind of involvement. Um, you know, I kind of came up through digital marketing. Um, and when I started with LaSalle, like that wasn't really something I had seen a ton. And as I went through the licensing uh, process, like, you know, it, it really seemed as though, you know, regulators kind of uh, shunned social media to an extent. Um, but you really seem to have, have hit a really good uh, stride with it i like i said i see you all all over the place and um you know you're really consistent with the uh the actual content that you deliver um so when did streamline decide to start really focusing on social media and putting together a social media strategy yeah so we were actually (laughs) believe it or not i think it was 2010 uh we were the one of the top 10 financial firms on twitter and that's because there was probably nine financial firms on Twitter. At oh, that wow. time. yeah. And it was <laughs> so Tim had started the account and maybe done, did a few posts or something like that. And I think from 2010 until 2018, we didn't post at all, or maybe once a year or something like Sure. You know, it, it was not a, a strategy. We just had the account. But it was in 2000, end of 2018 or early 2019 when we had really the the foundation of streamline meaning the team and uh you know having the right people all in the right seats on the bus you know jim collins says and just having this this great team doing the right stuff uh, tim and i um before that point tim toby and i would maybe have a client refer one person a month at most and then maybe a cpa would refer one one of their clients uh, one per month at most, but it wasn't really consistent. And we were looking for the avenues that we could start to explore to see if we could, could make, uh, you know, starting to work with attracting more clients more frequently and more consistently and seeing if we could have some sort of, um, you know, lack of a better term, like a faucet that we could turn on and off when, when, you know, sometimes we've got space to take on new clients. Sometimes we don't. So that's when we started looking at at what are the platforms we should start to post on consistently and test out and see if it actually works. Because most people know that it works, but there's a lot of hesitations to to getting started just because it's kind of scary to be putting yourself out there and put your opinion out there or really anything because you can be judged or you can, uh, it's just the fear of being in front of a group. Um, so, but we knew we wanted to do it. So we we looked at, and I believe heard from others that LinkedIn was you kind of get the most uh, uh, ability to spread 
your reach uh, organically because mm-hmm. it had the least amount of content creators on there versus consumers out of the social media at the time. So that's where we focused. That's where we started doing some text posts. And then I wanted to try and practice at video because I, uh, I just wanted to get good at that because I just believe that over the next however many years, it's going to be valuable for someone to watch you through the screen and get to know you virtually before giving you a call. Um, so I w- we would do short one minute videos. We would do short text posts once a week. And very quickly in our mind, you know, in our eyes, within 60 days, people started messaging us and asking us uh, questions. And, and that was just very cool to see that without being, you know, there's two routes you can go. You can go either kind of the uh, push marketing where you're reaching out and messaging a bunch of people. And then however many will, will get in touch with you or, or respond to you. It's kind of like the cold calling version of LinkedIn or, or whatever direct outreach marketing maybe is what they call it. Um, or there's just, you put stuff out there and then hopefully that would be pull marketing where people are attracted to you. I don't even know if I'm using those terms correctly, but we didn't want to do the put a bunch of messages in people's inboxes. Sure. We'd rather just do helpful stuff that hopefully people liked. And then if they liked it, they'd reach out and it started working. So that gave us motivation. It was exciting to see. And we continued that journey and, um, started, starting doing it more and more. Now, the, and then at that time, as we progressed, we saw that I kind of like the video thing. So the, the one negative of LinkedIn or Facebook or many of the social medias is that the, you know, once you post something within a week or within a couple of weeks, it's probably gone for a long time, unless someone goes to your page and then goes through all of your posts, which I think rarely happens. Usually it's, you're on the, whatever the homepage is and you're scrolling and you'll see with the newest content. Um, so I wanted to create a library of the videos that we were doing. And that's why we looked at YouTube and that's where we started posting once a week on YouTube. And, um, that took a while to get started and to get ramped up. But once it did, that's now the main driver of people reaching out to us each month. And it has been for the last over the last year and it's just continuing to grow because each new video just adds to the library and even videos from long ago are being uh, recommended and shown to people. And it's just kind of like an asset that's out there that, that stays versus LinkedIn where you post it and it's gone. You know what I mean? Yeah. Is that, is that kind of making sense? Yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. Um, you know, I, I think content marketing where, you know, you're putting all this stuff out there and, and hoping to attract, um, the right people. I mean, I, I think the overall digital marketing realm has been going that way for a long time. Um, and I think it's just, it's just, it cold calling, cold emailing. It, it just doesn't work. Um, not, not as well as, as it could. And, um, you know, one of the things with content marketing is that you it, it does take a little bit longer to ramp up in the beginning, like you had mentioned. But um, the overall impact, I think, is going to be so much bigger than if you just try to, you know, get into as many people's inboxes as you possibly can. Um, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I, you know, see some, you know, cold email from a recruiter or something like that on LinkedIn. And I'm like, all right, let's let's move on past this one. Right. Yeah. I, I just never, I, I don't think it, you know, it, and it probably, it, ha- it probably works to an extent, but it's, 
I don't know what the numbers are, but it's, you know, one in a thousand or whatever you get, right. you get the response. And I just never have enjoyed receiving those from someone that I didn't know. And I didn't want to be the person on the other end. That's not to say it doesn't work. And maybe somebody uh, listening is using it and it's working, which is great. But it was just, you know, everyone has different um, feelings around it and comfort levels. So it w- just wasn't something Tim and I were loved. Yeah, no, I totally get that. So I know you mentioned that you you've kind of primarily focused on on YouTube and LinkedIn. Um, have you spent any time really on any of the other uh, social media platforms like Facebook or Twitter? I know you mentioned you kind of started uh, with the Twitter account, but it didn't go very far. Yep. So what we, we so when it comes to the numbers of where our target art audience is. Facebook is the best because, you know, it has the highest number of people who are over or highest percentage of users over 50 or 55. Um, So that technically would be the best place to focus time on. Um, But the way that we are posting there is, again, we have LinkedIn in mind or really YouTube in mind, and then we'll make a post uh, for LinkedIn. And then we'll use just an auto scheduler that automatically puts it on Twitter and Facebook as well. So it's not specifically designed for uh, a Facebook post, but it's just a way to to do it at scale, I guess at scale, where it's not a, taking any more time. We're really focusing in one place, but it's allowing to distribute to the Twitter and Facebook at the same time, if that, if I'm making sense there. Yeah, definitely. Um, do you use Buffer or um, uh, what what scheduler do you use? We have. Yeah, we, we have used Buffer in the past and it was great. We've also used one called Loomly which was uh, good as well. But the one that we're using now is called Hype Fury. And that one is actually, it's more designed for Twitter users um, because of the, not to get too, this isn't even that important, but Twitter, there's these things, you can only put in what, 280 characters. Yeah. So they have threads, which is when you want to type something longer than that, you got to have multiple posts at the same time. And Hype Fury does a really easy, good job of taking a long text post and then converting it into threads easily. So still, for instance, if there's an idea, let's pretend I was writing on, um, you know, when to, when could be a good time to Roth convert market, wherever it is now, and wrote a post that was, you know, 500 words. Well, that could go, that could either be a script for a YouTube video, or it could be a long post for LinkedIn. And then if it's posted to Hype Fury, it puts it into that thread nature, that thread um, where it splits it up into many posts and then just releases it. Oh, that's Um, super nice. That's a, a nice feature. Yeah, so that's why we're testing out that one right now. I gotcha. Okay. I, I know that there's a lot of kind of um, uh, meta, uh, you know, actions that can be taken to kind of game the algorithms on these various social media platforms. Do you, you know, really spend any time with that at all? Or are you just kind of putting your content out there? So say it again, it's like uh, to game the algorithm. Not to, yeah, like to, to kind of play with the algorithm to try to see what gets the most results. I know some people play um, with different like YouTube thumbnails or titles. Um, some people, you know, really pay attention to the time of day that they're posting um, to ensure that they're getting the most out of the algorithm, so to speak. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so, yes, there is. The, I mean, the one thing that has all of the social media uh platforms in common the thing that you have to do is um one get 
people's attention, right? In, in the first line, sure. regardless, whether it's a tweet or a YouTube video, the first thing that you say, or a LinkedIn post, whatever it is, you kind of want that thing that is attention grabbing. Um, and then, and then have the meat of whatever you're trying to communicate or educate on. And then usually it's just the quick recap, one, two, three, what you just said. So that's nothing new, but for advisors who are, who are doing this or thinking about doing it, you're probably really good at writing the, the meat quotes and of the content, you know, you know, the material front and back and you could communicate it clearly and you have a point that you want to get across. Um, so it, one, one thought is write the, the meat of the content, pretend it was a text post to, to LinkedIn and then, um, write that first and then think of the first sentence you could put in at the top. That would be sort of that hook that would be somewhat engaging or, uh, you know, I don't want to say shocking, but just something that is attention grabbing. For instance, here's an example, again, on the Roth conversion, you know, when's a good time to convert telling a story of a client example without obviously including client names and, you know, just making, making it a fake example of, of a client, I guess. Um, one thing that, that, that you might do. So say that the, the, the market's down and you decide to convert uh, some Roth and you get more shares than you would have about three months ago into a Roth uh, and you pay the same amount of tax because things went down. Well, that's a great thing. But um, the first line that you might say, or something that I'm just making this up on the spot, but you know, how she was able to get 250 more shares uh, or how she was able to get whatever amount money into Roth without paying additional tax or something like that. Just like that quick question or something sure. that will say, someone will maybe be scrolling and see, oh, interesting. I was thinking about Roth the other day and then maybe they'll read. So yeah, it's just like that hook and then tell the meat and then do the recap. That's that's the only gaming, I guess, of the, uh, and I know that's not not the right term, but that's the only thing I could think of, kind of the the template to use. Do you use any kind of um, like a similar template with the videos that you do too? Yeah, uh, I would say yes to the beginning. Uh, has to be some sort of hook or exciting thing, and then the middle is you know no more than three points to communicate, and throughout I will try to do the the mini again i don't know the right terms of any of these things but like the mini hook in the middle of it kind of pointing to the last piece just so people are staying engaged because those videos can be five or ten minutes long so as long as there's these little things to continue to look forward to while you're watching the video i try to do that i'm not the best at it but um yeah the, those mini hooks to keep keep people and then giving the straight answer that make it clear and try to communicate. I mean, I'm good at this because um, I speak at a second grade level, but to communicate with people at, at a, um, at a very simple level where it's hard for advisors to do that because we've got the curse of knowledge and we don't remember what it was like to not know what uh, this investment speak that we speak all the time, but you know, people don't speak that way. So it's hard to kind of bring it back down to that, that, initial level where we were learning these things. But if you could do that, I think it goes a long way. That's what people, you know, people want to understand 
what they're doing and listening to, obviously, and that'll keep them engaged. Definitely. And and I think that that's, um, you know, true for any type of interaction with the client, you know, really making sure that you're tailoring your message to to the audience. I mean, uh, you and I may have, you know, like you said, this, this big, grander understanding of everything, but uh, trying to use the that same, you know, terminology and those same words to a client, they're going to look in, at you and be like, I, I don't know what's going on here. You know, um, so really kind of tailoring that message, I think, is key. So I, I know kind of along with your your videos that are client facing, you also have Streamline My Practice. So can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yes. So Streamline My Practice was something that I started back in 2016. And it was kind of my creative outlet at the time, a way to take what we were doing. It was actually serving two purposes, because you know how when you when you learn something, the best way to remember it and really uh, understand it is by teaching it to somebody else. Yeah. So that that's what I wanted to do. And we were doing these things that were really helping uh, streamline grow when it, and it wasn't just, you know, marketing things or sales things, but it was internal things like the, you know, we were getting really organized and on point with um, one of the the things that we read that made a big impact was that book traction, and it was about the visionary and the integrator and the uh, they call it the EOS system, and it's kind of just like how to what to do on a weekly, monthly, and annual basis, and how to get how to achieve these goals and create a uh, a business that is is functional and doing well. So we would we would do this, implement it ourselves, and and learn all the stuff and. Imp- and and then I wanted to continue to to teach it to others because it was so helpful for us. And we had the time um, at Streamline where I was able to, really, it was a blog that I would write. I'd write one post a week mm-hmm. and most of the time, one post a week. And then th- that was it. You know, we had the email list. We had the blog. We were not doing any sorts of videos. And somehow, and I'm not really sure how, but it started, it started catching on. Um, and one person who subscribed was Michael Kitsis. And so then we started talking, he's got the big advisor blog out there. And then I ended up doing a guest post on his, and it was around the, the topic of, um, how to talk to CPAs because I was in the CPA firm. I got pitched by tons and tons of advisors, not tons, but I'd say dozens of advisors, uh, while I was there and I knew the ones who did well and could communicate. Uh, with CPAs and the ones who just came in and it was all about them or their clients and you know the ones who positioned themselves as helping CPAs versus mm-hmm. like uh, you know how to make CPAs lives easier those were the people that CPAs like to talk to yeah, so anyways, I did post there yeah and then that it's it caught on a little bit and then um, and it was kind of it's just been a side fun project this uh, streamline my practice, helping helping other advisors, hopefully. And in 2020 is when I started doing the YouTube videos in along the same side, same time as streamline financial YouTube videos. And I think, um, again, streamline financial is the main focus. And so I probably did less or wasn't as consistent with the videos for advisors. But nonetheless, it's it's been growing a little bit uh, in comparison, here's a comparison, Streamline Financial to retirees that is at, I think, almost 19,000 subscribers now, mm-hmm. around two years later, and then Streamline 
my practice to advisors is just under 2000 subscribers. So a little bit slower, but it's still sure. fun. I just, I don't know why, but I, um, I enjoy it. I like talking to other advisors who are growing or not growing, or, I mean, it's kind of like when you've got your people, you just enjoy that, that community. So it's fun to connect with others that way. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's always good to have a creative outlet. Um, you know, I, I, I love doing different things like videos and, you know, now we started doing the podcast and everything and it's just a a great way to connect with people, um, overall. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. I, I know we kind of talked a lot about everything you have going on with social media. Um, how, if, if you were to uh, ha- approach a new rep or, or somebody were to come up to you and ask, you know, how do I get started in this? What uh, do you have any advice to help them kind of get up and running with their social media platforms? Yeah, if they were, if they were pretty serious, and if they could dedicate, I would say try to dedicate one hour out of you know, however many out, maybe you work 40 or 35 hours a week. Um, I would try to say one hour a week is all that you need. And um, to be prepared for no, uh, no positive feedback in the first two months or three months of, of starting. If you wanted to post, if you like the idea of content marketing, and if you wanted to be that sort of person who does attraction marketing to you versus kind of the push marketing where you're either cold calling or cold emailing or cold messaging people, then um, yeah, one hour a week. And I would just focus on one platform to keep it simple. And I still would go with LinkedIn if I was starting over again. Um, even if you do have, say your target market is is retirees and 55 plus, well, LinkedIn shouldn't be the best place um, for uh, to, to reach retirees, but there's still enough people on there who are 55 plus or 60s, and they're a few years from retirement. Um, so I would I would think focus on LinkedIn for now, and one hour a week, and all you do is try one post per week. So it's given you 30 minutes to come up with an idea and 30 minutes to write it and post it. And maybe if anybody engages, which they probably won't comment, if you're just getting started, it would allow you to, to respond to those, those comments. So the, and really it's just this, this practice, it takes 30 minutes now to come up with an idea or to read something and put your own spin on it. um, And then 30 minutes to, to kind of put it in that framework of write the meat and then go back to the top, write the hook and then go to the bottom and write the recap or write the meat, the recap, and then go back to the top and write the hook. Um, it would, um, I would say focus there still and time will, it'll start to get easier and easier, just like working out or, or, or any muscle, the more you practice it, the better it gets and the easier it gets as you're, you're writing content, it will, it'll start to become easier. It just does, especially if you're doing it once per week and just one hour a week. It's even if you think you're not creative, it would be a great uh, two month test to see, see kind of time yourself and just see what happens. And um, I would go for it. I, I haven't, you know, I've met people who have started and then they, it actually works three months or maybe six months later. 
and then they have to stop posting because of um, the amount of work that they're starting to have and the number of new clients that they're bringing on. And um, that can be tough because it's it's kind of like you're doing something that works and you're able to help more people, but then you have to shut it down. Mm-hmm. And then it takes another moment to get back ramped up whenever they do get that capacity again to to continue to to write or do things like that. So it's, yeah, it's a balance. But if you could say just one hour a week, I think you could, you know, everyone's different. Everyone's got different schedules, but if you're serious about it, I think it's possible to do one hour a week. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think having, you know, putting a limitation on it too is, can be beneficial. I mean, I, I for one am one that, um, when, when there's a bit of a time crunch, I feel like I do some of my best work under pressure. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I definitely think, you know, having just a small portion of your week allocated for that and making sure that you dedicate that to working on social media in some capacity, I think is, is key. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if it's, I know, I don't know if it's private or if it's available to others, but I did that, that, uh, that talk at the growth summit yes. and went into a little bit deeper about the kind of the framework of some of the posts to make it easy just to plug in some, you know, the templates. Um, and you know, if you're in, if you're listening to this and interested, go to streamlinemypractice.com or go to the YouTube channel, because, um, I'll be talking about frameworks and making things easy. That, that would be a great place to, to, to get started here. Definitely. And um, we do have the, uh, your talk from these uh, Growth Summit uh, up on LaSalle's website. It's on YouTube. Um, so cool. I will get a link in the description to this episode for that. So everyone can find that there. Cool. All right, Dave. Well, it's been great talking to you. Um, I just kind of want to leave off with um, asking one last question. I always like to try to uh, feel out, you know, kind of different technologies that are out there, not necessarily, uh, you know, brokerage or advisory related, um, but is, is there anything, any kind of new technology that you're just excited about in general? Yeah, the, the well, the one, it's an unknown, but it's just the, <laughs> I mentioned it a couple of times, it's the CRM. The one we have now isn't meeting what we need as the team that we have of seven or eight people. And getting that and just making things more efficient for the team is exciting to me. Um, so I don't know what it is, where we're going to, where we're going to get it, but I think it's going to be better than it is now, but there's one other thing I wanted to mention a, a few pieces, uh, a few technologies that, that could be useful for the content marketing advisor. Um, I mentioned speaking at a second grade level or writing at a second grade level, the Hemingway website, Hemingway app. I think if you just Google Hemingway app, uh, it's a free website that will show you what grade level you're writing it. So if you wrote something about, say, a Roth conversion, posted, uh, just copy and paste it in there, and it tells you you're writing at a you know a college degree level or you're writing at a sixth grade level. That's helpful to see. And then if you're thinking about doing video, the uh, the software that was very easy where you don't have to hire an editor. Uh, for the first two years, I, I would edit my own videos, and usually they're one take videos, so it was kind of easy. But Descript, D E S, uh, yeah, D E S C R I P T, Descript is a very easy, I think, 15 bucks a month um, tool to edit and to remove all the ums and ahs that you say. You know, it's good for podcasts too, uh, to remove any gaps, you know, where you're reading from your script and you want to remove it. It automatically does it for you um, 
just you know, I, I think I've heard of that. That's where um, it, it just gives you like the it transcribes it for you, and then you can kind of yeah. just like cut out uh, the actual words, right? Yeah, it's it's super easy, and I'm you know I'm not the design or editor guy, but I'm able to do it very quickly. I've heard a lot of really cool things about it. I've never played around with it myself, though. Yeah, yeah, you should you should test it out. But those that's a a great tool if you're thinking about video or podcast. Um, yeah, that's that's probably it for new technologies. Cool, awesome. Well, Dave, thanks again for taking the time out of your afternoon to to talk with us, and uh, I look forward to seeing uh, what comes next for you. Thanks, Danny. Yeah, I appreciate it. It was great talking with you. Yeah, absolutely. 